Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. All right, well, good morning, church. So good to be here. We just love every Sunday that we can join you, Kathy and I. We just love to be here. We love to experience what God's doing, and and then we catch the overflow of it because we live next door to John and Austin. So we just are always together sharing about what God is doing, and and it's just beautiful. I just love, love, love being here. I love the worship this morning, and if you would turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, and if you are using a device, I am in the New Living Translation, so if you want put that in your device that you will have be on the same page as I am. I'll be in Joshua 1. Joshua 1, starting with verse 1. And this morning, as uh, I, I had not really thought too much about sharing this, but uh, before I get into it, I want to just share with you an experience that I had here in this room. I guess it was about four weeks ago when uh, Pastor Nick was preaching. What was that, about a month ago, was it? And, and so Kathy and I had come in. We were probably sitting somewhere right around behind Miss Joe right there, and uh, about four rows back. And, and it was just in the worship. I was just, ex- just at this moment, like... We all do. We just come and we're at his feet and we're experiencing his love and we're expressing our love and adoration to him and he's on the throne and we're just kneeling before him in our hearts and it's just a beautiful morning as usual in worship and and I begin to hear this sound. I had been hearing the sound for several days prior to that morning and I begin to hear this consistent rhythmic kind of ticking. It was like and, and me, when I'm beginning to hear from the Lord, I usually will, like, I, like, I'm a little childish because I start, as the Lord begins to show me something, I start getting ahead of the Lord. I say, okay, Lord, what is this? Is this, a, is this a time bomb? A ticking of a time bomb? I knew, I said, this is it. This is the ticking of a time bomb of revival that we've been asking God for. Oh, I can hear And in then in that moment, the heavens opened, and I saw a rider on a horse. And the horse was feeling the emotion of the rider, and was just, the hoof was making the noise. It was, it was that the rider and the horse was about to come right out of like, what do you call it when you are at a derby and the horses are racing and they go in that little chute, stall, something like that, whatever it is. And the, and the intensity of this picture and, and it was overwhelming. And I said, Lord, see, once again, see, instead of just waiting for the Lord to tell me, I'm then asking, telling the Lord, like, is this you, Lord? Okay, it's not even revival's coming. Jesus is coming back. This is it. This is all over. We're all he's coming for his bride. I can picture it now. He's moving. This is Jesus. Is this you coming back for your bride? And he kind of chuckled. He said, "No." So this is the captain of my warring army. 
I had never had a vision of a warring angel or an angel. I've only centered 40 years of ministry around Father God, Jesus, work of the cross, Holy Spirit. I don't give a lot of time to the demonic, the demons. I just want to focus on Jesus. I don't really understand too much about the angelic beings, but now suddenly I'm seeing one on this horse, and he is just, there was such, you could just feel that that, that you could see the muscles in the horse was ready to come down. And that horse came down, and with him came an army of riders. And I saw that horse and rider come through the streets of our city. He was going, I want to say, Lord, he's going the wrong way. It's a one-way street. He's going the wrong way. And it stirred my heart, because these moments that we're living in, whoo, these are like no other days that we've ever experienced, or the church. And it's calling for us. This is not the hour to become complacent. And this is the hour to watch. And I, to, I, I felt a little bit like, Lord, out of all the places the captain of the warring army could be, he's in our city. What? You have a special strategic plan for the church, the body of Christ, our community. See what God's going to do. A few days later, I began to hear reports of people having visions across our nation of the warring army. I'd never heard it before. I'd never heard it even. I had no thought about it. And then beginning to hear from coast to coast about what God was doing. So there's a war in the heavenlies, and we're a part of that. And woo. I'm getting excited, so I don't even know why I told you, but just let's, let's just get excited. I, I, I have an ending, and maybe one day I will give you the ending of that, but I've told no one the ending yet. Joshua 1, if you would turn there with me, or on the screen, I think we have the scripture here. There we go. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. Verse 3, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever your foot, where you set your foot, you will be on the land I have given you. From Negev wilderness to the south of Lebanon mountains to the north, from the Euphrates River to the east of the Mediterranean Sea, in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one. Say, for you are the one. You are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land. I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Verse 6 is where I want to preach to you from this morning. And from this phrase that God spoke to Joshua at about somewhere I think he's 80 years old, declaring that he would lead him to take Joshua into the promised land. And this is God's word to Joshua, and it's our message for today. 
Be strong and courageous, for you are the one. For you are the one. Be strong, be courageous, for you are the one. And God looked down from heaven, and he spoke into the heart of this man. This man who had been a slave. This man who had been a wanderer in the wilderness. This man who had been a sojourner. And he said to him, you are the one. Have you ever had a moment in your life when God spoke to you and said, you are the one? I remember when I was in Bible college, I, would, I was a full-time student, full-time worker, and uh, had a job at a hardware store. And I'd go to school in the mornings, and then after lunch, I would go into the hardware store and work, and, and, uh, and then close it up in the evenings, and then on Saturdays, work there. And it was an Ace Hardware Store, the best hardware store in all of Dallas, Lakewood Hardware. And one day I got there to the store, and my dad had taught me how to work hard. And he dad always told me, he said, when you don't have nothing to do, you pick up a broom and you start sweeping. So he had taught me when I was in high school how to work hard. And so I was a good worker for the hardware store, but my heart wasn't there. My heart was in Bible college. And so I was there and I showed up to work and signed in on a little timesheet. And I noticed that something felt different about the, the, the store. And the owner was there, and he was an uh, Indian man from South Africa. And he said, Devin, you're a hard worker, and I appreciate it. I said, well, thank you. Just going to give me a bonus? I'm like, what, what's up? Thank you. I'm, I appreciate that as unto the Lord. And uh, he said, well, look, before you got here, our, our, um, our management just walked off the job. And so he basically looked at me, gave me the keys. Now, I had been hired to sweep the, the, the store and help customers a little bit and stock the shelves. I wasn't wanting to lead or manage a hardware store. And he basically said, here are the keys. Here's your job. You are the one. I said, okay, yes, sir. But how soon can you get a replacement? <laughs> but there are times in our lives where people will look to you and say, you are the one. There's something about it. We love the story when we see people who are the one. When we, when we hear a, a, a maybe one of our national historic leaders who've led and through troubling times are helping us to build our, our nation. Maybe it's just a, a fictional movie character. Maybe it's an athletic uh, someone who's maybe like a, like a young Joe Burrow on the football field that's leading a team. And he's like more than just throwing a ball. He's like commanding. You're like, man, what's going on? He's the one. And you feel that he has that idea that when he was playing a couple years ago, he's going to lead us to a national championship. You, you, Joe Burrow, are the one. And there's something about us that loves to hear that or see that. And here in this amazing passage of Scripture, we've got God preparing to take Israel, the children of Israel, across the Jordan River into a land that He has for them. Now, God has been working for this, to get this into this moment for a long time. I'm talking 700 years God has been preparing for this hour. It wasn't like just like something he thought of the night before. This is a 700-year journey to this river. This is a key moment, not just for the children of Israel, because what comes out of this decision and crossing over that river brings us Jesus, brings us the gospel. 
It's a key moment in time that God spoke to Joshua, and he's opening up this uh, address to him. And he says in these first verses, now listen, the first thing you need to know is Moses is dead. Hey, Joshua, listen, if you're going to step forward in what God has for you, you got to know that your past is gone. You got to know this. You got to know that you know that your past is gone. That yesterday's failures will not limit you in tomorrow's opportunities. That you're not the result of what just you've been through. You may be told that. You may have a, a counselor that will try to, to tell you that you're just the product of your past. But you are truly a result of God's promise in you. And he said, Moses is dead. And I want you to believe it with all of your heart and to understand and to know that your sin is forgiven. That your blame has been removed. You might have made a mistake yesterday. You might have made a mistake this morning. But you've got a promise from God that's still ahead of you. That's still in front of you. And he said, Moses is dead. And he calls Joshua to live in the moment. Now, let's talk about right now. That's what happened. He's gone. Let's talk about now. Because when you live in the present, it, has, it brings you into your future. Yeah. Then he said, get ready to cross the Jordan. Get ready to leave all that behind. Get ready to leave the restrictions of the wilderness. Begin to live what was familiar to you. You're about to step into something new. Then he said, Joshua... I will be with you. I love that. He said, I will be with you. I'll never abandon you. One translation says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Does that sound familiar? You better be reminded that God speaks to you and says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus says to you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is with you. Come on now. And he said to Joshua, I'll give you every place where, you're, where you set your foot. But then wanting to land... Wanting to bring an impact in this, like he's giving painting this picture. And he said, Now listen, you might want to look around for somebody else. You might think that once you just get across the river, that I'm going to parachute in some another. I'm not. You are the one. Moses was gone, he's dead. And now you are the one that will lead my people. And you will lead them across this river. And you will see walls come tumbling down. You will see, you will conquer a land and you will make it their inheritance. Joshua, you are the one. And I believe that every one of us in this room need to know that God's got amazing promises still ahead for us. God's got uh, good things that he's about to work out in your life. There are amazing things right around the corner. God has not sentenced you to a life of failure. He has not sentenced you to live in a cycle of dysfunction. He has not, into this moment, God's got something greater for you, and I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you waiting for someone else. God needs and is looking to you. You think, I'm just a part. And you are a part. You're part of important and beautiful part of the body of Christ. But listen, you are a main character. God, of course, is the first character, but you're the second. And you just have to start beginning to look 
That, yeah, I'm a part of a family. I'm a part of a team. But God is saying to you today, because God wants you to bring a difference to your world. Sometimes we're waiting for someone else. God says, you, you are the one. See, Israel had this problem, and they thought, and I think it's a problem that sometimes we begin to get stuck in. Because for 400 years, these children of Israel had been in slavery. They had been slaves in Egypt. They had been conditioned by their environment. If you can be conditioned by the environment that if you're not careful that you live in. That's why it's so important why God gave us his word. Because every time the enemy lies to you, every time those surrounding influences want to speak something, a lie that's counter to the truth of God, that our minds are conditioned by the truth of God, not by the circumstances that we live in. 400 years they've been in slavery. 400 years they couldn't increase. They couldn't make anything for themselves. They had someone else dictating everything about their lives. They never got to advance. They never got to move forward. Everything when their lives was determined by others. That's very different than about what's happening now in this moment. Someone else. And, and what's caused to happen is, listen, is that because it was not their responsibility, they begin to believe everything, everything that didn't work to their benefit was someone else's blame. That's what we have to be careful of. When there was lack, it's the Egyptians' fault. When there was a problem, it was the Egyptians' fault. When they didn't have enough, it was somebody else's fault. If things were not good, it was easy to blame someone else. For 40 years, then, they had been now wandering in this wilderness. And here, under the steady leadership of Moses, underneath the, the, the uh, supply and the care of God the Father... And here they are, coming from this place of bondage into this place. But now something is changing. Things are changing. Sometimes things will change in your life as a Christ follower. Sometimes you will now be, you, you'll get shook up a little bit. So, so wait, wait a minute. I think God is saying to them, get ready for change. Get ready for change. See, you must believe, too, that, that things can change in your world. You've got to believe that things can change in our community and in and, and, and our state and, and, and your neighborhood and in, on the street that you live in and on your family. Listen, neighborhoods can change. Marriages can change. Health, your, the health that you live in can change. Your financial circumstance can change. Families can change. Can change. And he began to speak to them. But he said, change is coming, and you are the one that's bringing the change. God wanted Joshua to rise up. He said, Joshua, you are not a slave anymore. You're not a slave. You're not dependent no more. It's your moment to step up to the plate. Can you hear God speaking to Joshua? You're the one. Can you hear him in this room this morning speaking to your heart that you are the one? Need to know. That great things are ahead. That doors are about to swing open for you. Wonderful things are around the corner. Supernatural miracles. There are the miraculous things of God are steps ahead of us. 
But if you're going to experience the favor, if you're going to experience the opportunities, there comes a moment where you hear him say to you, you are the one. Listen, you will lead your family. You will impact this nation. You will solve this problem. You will lead yourself or govern yourself out of the debt that you found yourself in. Now, because of who he is, because he's out with you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you, but you, it's you, and you're going to take a step. Some of you are going to win your schools to Jesus. You're going to Joshua had to defy the obstacles of walls and rivers that were on flood stage. But you will dream great dreams, and you will set your sights higher than ever. And God wants you and I to know that if you see a problem, it's because He's empowering you to solve it. He's giving you. He's giving you. You're the one that when He gives you a dream, He's giving you also the ability to work it out and see the dream become a reality in the world that you live in. You are the one to bring it to pass. One of the most important things that you'll know about yourself is that you are the one. No matter what the world looks like around you, that river, that Jordan that's in flood stage, those walls that are surrounding Jericho, those cities that are, that are strongholds in the mountain side of mountains, the mountain of God, they might seem great. You can blame the economy, you can blame the government, you can blame the city, you can blame that car you came to church in this morning, you can blame the kids, you can, but at the end of the day, God's waiting for you. He's waiting for someone. He said, I'm waiting on someone. I'm waiting on some help, but he's waiting on you. Say, you are the one. You got Jesus inside of you. Do you believe that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? Greater is he that lives in you than he that is in the world. And that inside of you is the ability to alter the course of history. The course of history. God comes to our lives. He comes in our hearts and he says, hey, you are the one. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, God came and he said, leave your people, leave this country. I'm going to show you where you're going and I'll make you a great nation. He said, you're not just a son of a burnout failure. You, Abraham, are the one. God came to Gideon, little old Gideon hiding out in the wine press. Think about this picture, a little scaredy cat, because the army is of Midian. The Midian is the most powerful force, the nation on the earth at that time. And every time Israel was to advance or to plant a crop, and it was about to be a big harvest, Midianites would come in, take it all. Every time when things were turning around, they would come in. Every time their bank accounts got a little cash, some, their washing machine would break. You know what I'm saying? Every time it seemed like the marriage was going to make it, something happened. That's what, do you feel like sometimes you live in that world? That every time you get a little bit ahead, something happens? The Bible tells us that 
Gideon's afraid. And he's in this fear, and he's in a crazy place to thresh wheat in a wine press because you want to get a little breeze. You want to throw the wheat up, and the breeze would blow. The wheat comes down, and the, the shaft would go uh, blow away. But here he is trying to make a little something happen on his own. And God approaches him, and he says these amazing words to him. He said, the Lord is with you. You are a mighty warrior. And, he's, and, and Gideon's like, well, okay, if that be the case, then where are you, Lord? Where are you, God? Where are the wonders? God's coming. Came to Gideon and said, you're the one. And Gideon was waiting for someone to lead. Gideon's waiting for someone else to take that position. He's just hoping to survive another day and have a meal. Any people... Today are waiting for God. But what if God was waiting on you? What if he's waiting on you? What if he says, hey, you're the one. I love the fact that it seems like God just ignored Gideon. Like, well, okay, God, you, oh, well, then where are the wonders? Where, what is that? And Gideon gets and up and he goes. Save Israel from the hand of the Midianite army. And again, the Lord says, I'm with you. God isn't playing games with our lives. He wasn't playing games with Gideon. He says, come on, rise up. God wasn't lying to Gideon. God's not lying to you today. God's not playing with you. God, that delivered Gideon, as he led those people, he's going to deliver you. Think about Deborah in Judges chapter 4. This prophet who, who is in this situation where she walks up to this man, Barak or Barak, whatever way you would like to pronounce it. And she says, hey, you are the one. And, and he said, no, I'm not. And she said, oh, yeah, you're the one that's going to go and lead and fight for us. No, I'm not. And it's interesting because she says, okay, well, you're not going to do it. And in this moment in time, this was not appropriate for a woman to lead like this. And she's confronted with the problem. And she's like, okay, if he ain't going to do it, guess what? I'm going to do it. She said, well, God didn't say no, so it must mean yes. I like that radical faith. <laughs> See, there she moves forward. She led the troops of Israel into battle and won a great, nation, a great victory for her nation. And maybe you came today and you've spent most of your life saying somebody else is the one. And they seem to not step in to doing that which you know is their spiritual responsibility. I'm not sure if God hasn't called you to be like a Deborah and to step up and say, I will be the one. God loves a willing heart. I'm the one. One of the greatest evangelists of our time, who for many years, Kathy and I had the, we, we almost had the opportunity. We were invited to go to Reinhard Bunke's last crusade. And um, knowing that it would be his last crusade, he knew it would be. And, uh, but somehow we didn't make it, baby. I don't know what happened. 
but we didn't go. But, the, but here this evangelist leads crusades where of attendance of 8 million people, and one crusade is documented with signed notes, signed little cards of a million people who gave their lives to Christ in there. Now that, that is globally changing, heaven changing. And so when he was asked about how did God choose him to do it, he said, no, the Lord told me that he chose four more before me, but they weren't willing. And I was the first to say yes. <laughs> wow. I wonder in our years of ministry, Kathy, if some of the things that we've been a part of, if God said, well, I tried a few other people, but they didn't work out. And so we were first say, we'll do it. <laughs> we're all in. How about Saul? He was an anointed king over Israel. The Bible tells us that Samuel poured the oil over his head and made this public declaration that he was the one. He was kind of a from nowhere, but God said he would be the first king of Israel. And I don't know how it happened. I don't know what happened. Maybe it was because of something, the pain of his past, or maybe it's the fear of such a huge responsibility that was in front of him. But the devil found a place of vulnerability in Saul's mind. And he sowed a seed of doubt. He sowed seeds of deception. The Bible says that even in his coronation that he was, he was hiding out. And his whole life was marked in these dark, dark moments. Listen to me. This is uh, one of the most important things you'll hear me say today. Let us never think for a moment that it is spiritual or that it's humility or that it's noble to think less of yourself than God thinks of you. The Bible tells us that his whole kingship was played, was played. God says, you're the one. But Saul chose to believe a lie. He disagreed with what God said. God said, you're the one, but he disagreed with it. Maybe it's time for you here, someone here today. Maybe you have been living in that moment of, of past decisions and, and, and the fear of how big something might be that you're stepping into. And you keep allowing those seeds God says to you, I've chosen you. You're the one that I've chosen. God is with you. And you've decided, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live in doubt. I'm not going to live in discouragement. I'm not going to live that. Because what did I already say? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're the head, not the tail. You're above, not below. You are more than a conqueror in Jesus who, who loves you. According to his word, you can do all things through Jesus who gives you the supernatural strength. I am the one. How about David? The Bible, we know this story. Pastor, I, I think John just recently spent some time around David's life. He's the youngest of eight brothers and all these good-looking manly brothers. And then he's kind of the, the runt of the group. But God chose this young guy. It's interesting when you read the story how they describe these brothers and then they describe David. Uh, you know, it's all about their skin. They had beautiful skin. <laughs> 
That's, I don't know why I think that's funny, but it is. And the Bible tells us that this picture that he went out to see his brothers on the battlefield and there this Philistine army is, is, is there, this giant, this eight foot giant is, is harassing the armies of Israel. And here he had in a, in a private ceremony already been anointed to be king over Israel. And there he arrives on this scene and everybody else is intimidated and afraid. But this young guy, 16, 17 years old, he wants to fight. So what's going on with this? How can this uncircumcised Philistine, he's talking a little trash. And the Bible tells us that the words that he's saying eventually makes its way up to King Saul. I thought that's just a story in itself. How did this guy just arrive on the battlefield and how that word spreads all the way to the throne? Here he is. And you know what King Saul says to David is, you are not the one. You're not the one. How many times has someone spoken over your life? You are not the one. You're not the one. And God says, nah, he is the one. No way. And David said, God has given, delivered the bear into my hand, the lion into my hand, and surely he will deliver this filthy Philistine in exactly the same way. And he said, I am the one. How many obstacles could we overcome if we just begin to say, wait a minute, I'm the one. I'm not just holding out, waiting for the preacher to show up to pray in the hospital room. I'm not just waiting for someone to win my neighbor to Jesus. I'm just not waiting to bring the presence of the Lord down the main street of my community. I'm not just waiting for someone else to sing a song of deliverance. I'm not waiting for me to, to for someone, oh, that person needs someone to lay hands on him. I just saw just a regular person the other day. It was such a beautiful story. Encounter someone struggling for their life with cancer and he said the Lord sent me here you think this is a business transaction this is a God transaction the Lord sent me here to lay hands on you that you'd be healed Whew, that gives me Holy Ghost goosebumps and Jeremiah I don't know how much time I'm going to just give you a few more thoughts God turned up in the life of Jeremiah here, Jeremiah, the Lord said, I knew you. I knew you before you came out of your mother's womb. I've appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And Jer- what's Jeremiah say? He said, the Lord said, you are the one. He said, uh-uh, I'm only a child. Somebody in this room also may be saying, when you say I'm the one, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too poor. I haven't been to Bible college yet. I'm too new in the faith. But God looked at Jeremiah and he said, don't you say that you're only a child. Don't say that. Today, don't say that you're too short and you're too fat and you're too young and you don't have the education. You can go on and on and on and on with excuses. Why? And you can allow a picture of what... Christian society, Christian culture says, this is who God uses. But God is looking for a few Rambos, a few disciples, a motley crew that would rise up 
Kathy and I, we love those outlier kind of stories when, when there's someone who God's using, and, and then I, I, we hear stories of supernatural things happening, and, and, uh, and God is using right now on planet Earth people who don't look like they play the part, and I love it, and I love the way the preachers are like, I wish they would stay in their lane. <laughs> don't they know that I have the Bible college degree? Uh, I, I, there was a, a church that was in full-blown revival. People getting saved. And this pastor started to tell me every reason why that was a counterfeit revival. And I said, sir, how many people have your church led to the Lord this year? He said, I don't know if any, probably, but many probably have made a decision. I'm going with the revival. I'm going. Um, that's the way that I want to be. God says that you are the one. And Joshua, God was saying, there's rivers to cross and there's walls to come down. There's a land to conquer. I will be with you. But listen to me, you are the one. You are the one. And I wish somebody would step up and bring revival to Hammond. But I think he's asking you to do it. I can't wait to hear the headlines, that blast news of supernatural healings. Can I ask you to do that? See your children flourish, that you will be a part of that. And I'm not here to bring you guilt or shame. I'm not here to tell you that you're more powerful than just that you ever realized that maybe you've been in a rut and the Lord just wants you to hear that you are the one. Let me quickly give you a couple of thoughts. Three things. When you begin to understand that you are the one, there comes a supernatural empowerment. When Gideon, he didn't really know what was happening, but when he came out of that wine press and he tore down the idol in his family's home and his family's community there, what happened was the anointing came upon him. Sometimes it means you got to step out. Wait, quit waiting just for chill bumps and goose bumps, and, and it may mean that, that it happens when you step into action. I think that, uh, I, I think, look, look. Look at all of the stories of the DeSherry family. I hope they're not here today while I'm talking about them. But everybody said, are you crazy? I, I've had people come to my house and say, you are crazy to let them people go on the mission field. They got too many kids. It's just wild for Jesus. Do they really, are they trained? And what did he do? He just bought a ticket to Kenya and I know that the people that when he first went were saying, we're going to have to coach him. We're going to have to train him. We don't know. Now those same people, guess what? They're saying, help us, Joel, to drill wells. We thought we knew what we were doing, but help us. And here God empowered him to do it. 
it moves expectation. I said there's an increased expectation. When you say, I'm the one, now you're expecting, you're, you're seeing God move in this way. I love that David didn't say when he looked at the giant, hey, what will happen? What will be there for the guy that goes and fights this giant? He didn't say that. He said, what's in it for the guy that kills this giant? He saw the head of that giant coming off with his own sword. When you realize that God says to you, you're the one, it empowers action in your life. In 2016, Kathy and I, faced the great Louisiana flood. Our house was destroyed. I thought at first that it was always repairable. I kept trying to fix it and it was just gone. Came out of that and so entered into a a disagreement with the insurance company because the insurance company said, well, the flood actually didn't cause it but the soil underneath the house got wet of course the soil underneath the house got wet it was two feet of water in the house and it caused differential settlement and there's a small clause in your policy that doesn't cover differential settlement so here we are with the house note of a house that is no longer there the Livingston Parish condemned it and it was taken down every part of it was removed slab and everything gone here we were. We had always played it safe financially, and we made some of the worst financial decisions of investments we had ever made in that time. We also found ourselves with a few medical issues that came up. I had a little stroke. I lost my nephew, and my heart was grieving and I met some of the board members are here today and there was no way I could fix our situation and we were there was we were spiraling out in a downward spiral we were in serious trouble no way I could fix it no way it was just a mess we was over for us my ordination was with the Assemblies of God, and I could have lost my ordination with, the, with this organization because I was just facing bankruptcy. It was it. I have, I have nothing. I don't know how we can manage to move forward. So we met with the board and said, it's, we, we need a miracle. It's just, it's just a miracle now. And what God did, I can't even tell you how he did it, how he intervened, but what took place was God began to show us our future. And he spoke to us. He said, you've killed the lion and the bear, but the giant's still out there. This is how I want to use your life in the promised land. This is what I've called you to do. How do I get from where I'm at to over there? But I began to say, hear him say to me, because I started saying, well, those are great things. I'm going to have to tell somebody about that and go, somebody go do that for God. And he spoke to Kathy and I and said, you are the one. 
And when we begin to say, I don't know all this mess that we're in. I don't know how the enemy has tried to destroy our lives and our family and our children. I don't know what has happened. I can't figure it out. But Moses is dead. And I'm stepping into that. When I heard him say, you are the one. We stepped into the Jordan River and the waters began to open up. And God took us through and done, as I would say, a ser- I can't even explain to you how he did what he did and where we've come. I, 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 can't even, I can't even sit down and say this is what took place because it was miraculous. It was God. But where it happened was when he said, I'm not done with you yet. That's where you're going. And he took us there and we're heading there right now. I'm excited about it. Can I pray for you this morning? Pastor Nick, would you come? Lord Jesus, Lord, I just my heart is stirred. This this moment for for our lives as a part of this spiritual community that we say yes, Lord, yes. Yes. When you say you are the one that I'm calling, you are the one with this responsibility, you are the one who will bring revival, you are the one who will make a difference, you are the one who will alter the course of history, you are the one where we just say yes, yes, I am. Lord, it's scary. It seems so prideful sometimes to say I am. But Lord, we choose just to say I am. I am. I'm not going to believe the lie of the devil. I'm not going to believe those who say I'm not. I'm going to believe what you say. And you say I am the one. I am. Just say it in your heart. Just say I am. I am. I am. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.